Hey strangers, on today's episode I chat with a familiar face from Netflix's Queer Eye. William tells me about his experiences on that show and how he ended up on Stranger Things. He also continues to gush over his love for his wife Shannon, which is adorable. He spoke to us from his home in Georgia via Skype, so just keep that in mind when you're listening. I hope you enjoy this episode and guys, happy holidays, stay strange. Hi, my name is William Mankin and I play a variety of characters in Stranger Things. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. William. Hello. Hey, this is Ash from the Upside Down Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm pretty great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I First, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super stoked to talk to you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I think that this interview has to start by talking about your appearance in Queer Eye's 2018 episode, A Decent Proposal. I know from watching the show that your girlfriend, Shannon, nominated you. How did you get notified that you had been selected to be on the show? Well, because I do a little bit of acting, I get notifications that, you know, certain roles are, and things are open. And I actually saw this come through, that they were uh, doing a makeover show. And I just kind of glanced at it. I was like, ah, they're doing a makeover show in Atlanta, you know, and I didn't think anything about it. But apparently she saved it and contacted them. And uh, about a week later, we got a call from one of the producers saying that they wanted to uh, go further into it and see if we were a fit for the show. And then that's how the whole thing started. I mean, it was a snowball from there. I mean, it was like a month later we were on the show. It was very very quick. That's awesome. Uh, I love that show. I think like most people, I binged it religiously. Um, there's been many seasons after you, but I think that your episode stood out. Your proposal was epic. The main idea for anyone who hasn't seen the show is that William had been dating Shannon for a few years and he wanted to propose, but he wasn't really sure what he should do. And it's interesting because in the beginning, you're very shy and they're trying to like bring you out of your shell. But then it, by the end of the episode, you know, you're making this video presentation in front of a giant open air theater, which ends with you kind of running out into the crowd to propose to her. How did you work up the courage to do that? It wasn't easy. (laughs) Uh, So I'm I'm very shy when I, I meet new people. And those five guys, they were just so in your face. And so the first couple of days, I was kind of uncomfortable, and I was just trying to get to know them. So once, I, like Jonathan talked to me so often that by the end, I was joking around with them when I was getting my hair cut. So the, the more they talked to me, the more comfortable I was talking to them. Now, when it came down to the proposal, I, I was completely focused on Shannon. I, I, that's all I could see was like a bubble. I'm, I was aware there was cameras, and I'm trying to make sure my face wasn't blocked, anything like that. But my focus was on her. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that she was having a good time, that she wasn't unhappy with the green goddess stuff I made, because I put way too much jalapeno in that. It was, <laughs> but it was so hot. And then I, I knew that at a certain point, I had to break away. So once I broke away, and I went into the, the, the green room, and I was getting dressed in the tuxedo, and I realized that all week, I hadn't memorized what I wanted to say to her. So I'm actually trying to get dressed, and the, the camera people are helping me get my tie on, and, and I'm just, you know, just, just flummoxed. I got the notepad in front of me trying to remember my lines. And I had this whole 20-line thing I wanted to say. And so I get backstage, and they play the video, and it comes time for me to run out there, and I don't remember anything. I, I barely remember saying what I was supposed to say, you know, <laughs> that this the new word for more than love. And, and I find her in the crowd, and I just focus on her, and I don't remember the other thousand people there. And I just focus on her, and I just jumped off the stage and walked to her, and I got down on my knees, and I couldn't remember anything I wanted to say. 
I could remember three lines, and that was it. And that what I what you saw on screen, that's all I could remember. I couldn't remember anything else. A total rush of adrenaline just like took over, and you were like, "I got to do this." I, you know, we couldn't tell that you were nervous. It came off so smooth. I think she makes me feel so comfortable that I'm, I'm not nervous around her, and I can do things that in the past I haven't been able to do because she encourages me and she gives me strength that I've never had before. This is so precious. I feel like I'm the queer eye guys when they were watching you and they're all like tearing up. <laughs> it's so good. One of the things I think is interesting is, so on that episode, it says that you and Shannon, you know, you both worked at Walmart and you'd like to do a lot of paintings together. I've noticed mm-hmm. that you have done a lot of acting and background work. You know, what made you start making that transition into film and television? Uh, I've always been a creative person. I've always tried to have an outlet, whether it was photography or painting. And I had a friend years ago that just wanted to make his own movies. He was tired of making other people's movies. He wanted to do his own. So I helped him. I uh, did some camera work for him, and uh, I was going to do some acting, never got around to it. But then when I moved to Dahlonega about five years ago, it was close enough to Atlanta that I realized I could try to do some of the acting things. Uh, So I started submitting, and I started getting some background roles. I shot The Walking Dead the week before Queer Eye shot. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's why my hair was actually a lot bigger than it normally is, is because (laughs) I I had to grow it out for that show. And then Queer Eye hit, and then after the show actually came out, it actually became more of a distraction. I only did a few shows after the show came out because, like on Stranger Things, everybody's just talking to me, and I'm supposed to be background. I'm supposed to be just kind of blending in, but everybody's trying to talk to me. Yeah. Uh, and it became a distraction. So I, I kind of got away from the acting. I do a lot of screenplay writing now, but I, I haven't done any acting in about a year and a half. Yeah, I can imagine that a lot of people were happy to see you because that episode was a big deal. Especially, I think, because, you know, you're in season two. Season one was mm-hmm. such a phenomenal outbreak of the show that we were just like, oh, we've got to see season two. And then you were in that. So I imagine people were like, you know, amped. A lot of Stranger Things fans were excited to see you in Stranger Things. You actually appeared in season two as an attendant at the Palace Arcade, but I think that most... Most fans recognized you in season three as the guy from Queer Eye when you appeared as a Hawkins reporter staff member giving poor Nancy a hard time. How did you get cast for that role? For season two, I actually, that was shot before Queer Eye, so it was just, I was just background, no big deal. Uh, I was just happy to be there, got to meet all the kids, it was a, a great day. Season three... I did so much work on season three, but they were doing little town, the newspaper, the scenes, and they were short one newspaper person. Uh, And I was wearing a suit and I had the great mustache. So they pulled me in and had me just sit down. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting next to Jake Busey and, you know, I'm I'm surrounded by cast and crew and we're just shooting the scene. And uh, about halfway through the day, somebody recognized me from Queer Eye. (laughs) And and from there, you could just see crew members just, like, peeking around the corner and just, you know, almost, like, giggling. And it, between scenes, they would take me outside and they would take selfies with me. And it, it was a really crazy day. And even uh, Sean Levy came up to me and he said, I hear you're famous. I was like, you know, you know. And it, it was just a really odd experience. I've never experienced anything like that. Because these people, they, they work with famous people all the time. And they were geeking out over me. And it's just, that was surreal, I think is the right word. No, that's rad. That's amazing. You know, you got to be in a couple scenes with phenomenal actors that you just mentioned, like Jake Busey and Michael Park mm-hmm. and Natalia Dyer, you know, the lead of the show, one of the leads. How cool yeah. was that for you? Oh, that was so much fun because uh, I've done background. I've worked with every single person on the show. Uh, I haven't been in the scene with Levin. I've watched her work, but I haven't been in the scene with her. Uh, but to actually be in the scene with Nancy and have her looking at me while she's talking and, and giving me a sandwich, it's just, and it still feels weird now just thinking about it, uh, that that. 
this amazing show, one of my favorite shows, probably my favorite show, and and here I am on set with all these great people, and I'm, I'm just trying not to be noticed <laughs> because <laughs> because a great background person doesn't get noticed. Yeah, I noticed that you did more than just the Hawkins Post and the Palace Arcade. Mm-hmm. Did you by any chance get to do background at the Starcart Mall? Because I saw you as background, I think it was during the fair, right, when the kids were, like, shooting, trying to win some toys, you were just kind of right. in the background there? Uh, I actually appear in the show 12 times in season <laughs> in season three. So I was at the newspaper, obviously. Uh, I did the mall, and then I was actually scheduled, I think, seven days at the mall, and they got about three days in, and they pulled me aside and said, you're too noticeable being a distraction, basically. Uh, we see you everywhere. You you're just you just stand out. So they actually asked me not to come back for the rest of the mall scenes. I did go back to do the theater scene. So in the theater, I'm actually in the third row back uh, watching Back to the Future over and over again. And then the fair, we did, I think, seven or eight days overnight in freezing weather. Uh, <laughs> Because it was it was slow freezing at some points and it was so cold and we're all wearing shorts and t-shirts and but they had heaters and they did everything they could to keep us warm but it, it was a long two weeks. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of cast and crew, but one of the things I I don't think I've ever asked that I've always kind of wondered is when you were shooting that fair scene, how does that work as far as you know? There's so many extras and it's actually it's actual a carnival. They set it up with rides. Mm-hmm. Did they kind of say action and people would get going, or did they kind of just have you all enjoying yourselves like you were at the fair? Well, the crew kind of goes around and breaks people up into groups, and they kind of assign people to do different things. You know, the the ride people, they're operating the rides. They're, they're the actual operators of those rides. And then they would just assign background to whichever, wherever they needed them. and then Or they'd tell them, you're going to walk here to here, and then... But whatever you do, you have to repeat it every single time. So it's just a matter of where you happen to be standing, where the crew people ask you to do this as to what you're doing in the scene. When Carrie Ells, the mayor, is talking, giving a speech, I'm actually on a podium doing the strongman uh, hammer thing. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I know where I am. Nobody's <laughs> going to be able to find me, but I know where I am. But a lot of times when I get on screen, it's just pure luck, just being in the right place at the right time, and I just happen to be right there. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, I did background work once. Fans of the show will know that we're in episode one of season three. We're at the mall um, and mm-hmm. the mom with the little girl on the on the horse. And it was so stressful for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's really cool that you were able to do that. So it sounds like you were a full-time background actor for the show. I did. Uh, the only other show that I did a lot of work on was Kevin Probably Saves the World. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I yeah, I was a regular on there. I did 14 episodes uh, for that show. But Stranger Things, I was committed to Stranger Things. Anytime casting TaylorMade called, I said, sure. I, I did whatever they needed. Uh, they always reminded me to bring my mustache. That, that was the most important thing. Make sure you have your mustache. It's interesting because I think that's what, like, made you so noticeable in the season is that it was like, is that is that him? Um, yeah. With that mustache. Right. Yeah, that, that this mustache has gotten me a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> You've been able to get full makeovers from mega professionals. So what was it like getting your full makeover from the Queer Eye guys versus, you know, working with the Stranger Things amazing hair and costume team? It's definitely different. I don't want to say night and day, but it's definitely different. Uh, The Queer Eye guys, of course, it was several days. Uh, you're working with each one of them for on a very specific, like your clothing or hair and makeup, which that was actually six hours. I spent six hours with Jonathan for that. that. I know that that <laughs> hair, and then he plucked my nose. 
I remember, I remember that yellow wax. He's ripping it out. Oh, he was so bad at pulling it out too. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if he was intentionally doing that, but man, it hurt. And then Stranger Things, it's a very um, organized. They, you, you get called in and you do a very specific thing. Uh, you go to costume, uh, you get fitted. They give you a costume. They do several different costumes to see which one works best. Uh, they, they get them all lined up and get them all bagged and ready. And then you get sent to hair and makeup, and they do your hair and makeup. They do all their, the pictures, and that's pretty much it. But my hair grows so fast that every time they give me a haircut for the initial fitting, it always looks different for the actual shoot. Um, yeah, I got some really horrible pictures of uh, mullets that they gave me. So. <laughs> <laughs> you said that you were doing background work, and then you were kind of like plucked to be a Hawkins reporter. What were you mm-hmm. doing prior to that? You were just, you know, a Hawkins resident? Uh, yeah, Hawkins resident. I was actually supposed to be just walking past the window. But if you look outside the newspaper, you can't even see outside the window, so you never would have seen me. So, again, it was just pure luck that I was in the right place and just had happened to have the right outfit and the mustache. Uh, that they were looking for. That's amazing. I think one really cool connection to your appearance on Queer Eye and, you know, Stranger Things is that in season three of Stranger Things, both you and Shannon get to appear as restaurant actors in the scene where Hopper waits for Joyce at Enzo's. How did that happen? Is Shannon a background actress? Or once they figured out who you were, they were like, we got to get these two together in the show somehow? No, she actually doesn't like it. She doesn't like the whole process. She, she thinks there's too much sitting around and waiting. Uh, <laughs> Because to do a little two- or three-minute scene, sometimes it's a 12-hour day. Yeah. Uh, and she hates that. But it was Stranger Things, and she loves the show, and she wanted to do it. So we managed to get booked on the same day, and it just happened to be the restaurant scene. When they assign you wherever you're going to go inside the scene, uh, it's you're usually right. Whoever's kind of near you is kind of who you're going to be seated with or you can be standing near. So we stood by each other. We, we were holding hands, made sure we were together. So when it came time... Uh, they put us right by the bar, right there by uh, – um, I just went blank on his name. Hopper. The Russian. Oh, uh, Grigori. Uh, the, we just interviewed uh, him. Yeah, Grigori, the, the Russian. And we didn't know he was a character. We just thought he was background, and he just looked really mean. And he's, just <laughs> sit, and he's sitting behind her, and she has to learn how to smoke a cigarette. Uh, you can't see it in the show, but she has to learn how to smoke a cigarette really quickly. <laughs> so, And then the Hopper actually bumps into her and actually pushes her aside and falls into uh, Grigori. And she loved that. She loved the fact that you know she was in the scene. Yeah. Uh, so it, when we actually saw it, we actually were really happy that we were able to see both of our faces uh, on screen when it came out. We didn't know we were going to be on screen that way, but it, it worked out perfectly. So. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I've been doing this podcast for about five years. We've done it since the show started. And one of the things that I've noticed from talking to cast and crew and background actors is that now I really pay attention to the background actors. I'm like, do mm-hmm. I know this person? Do I know this person? It's, like, yep. very important to me to watch the episodes twice so I can enjoy the show. But then I'm like, i got to go back and see who I know. So I do the same thing with any movie that's shot in the area. I can't help but notice the background in them now. I mean, it's so amazing. So now you and Shannon have this, like, you already have an amazing bond, but now you have this bond of being featured on two Netflix shows. So that's that's yeah. awesome. I think that's so cool. Yeah, and her kids were in it, too. So Oh, neat. Your children were in it? Uh, Shannon's kids. Uh, her son and her daughter were both in the snowball scene in oh. uh, season two. See, so. that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Who directed your episodes? Was it, I know that you said Sean was talking to you. Was it, did you ever get a chance to work with the Duffers or was it Sean most times? I worked in the newspaper scene twice. 
so one time it was Sean, the other time it was the Duffer Brothers. Uh, the Duffer Brothers did the theater scenes, and then the the mall was just a crazy combination. Of, to be honest, I don't even remember half of the mall. So there's so many people there. Yeah, um, I was given a when we were on set as background actors. I was walked through the mall, and I was so nervous that later we were given an official tour, and I was like, I've been here, but I don't remember anything <laughs> that mm-hmm. I walked through. So I can imagine what's the difference in the way that the Duffers direct versus how Sean directs. Just in your case. I don't really know. Uh, Sean is very hands-on. He's very personable. He, he likes to talk to the actors and, and give give them notes and listen to their opinions of, of the scene. Uh, the Duffer brothers, to me, in the scenes I've noticed, kind of stand back a little and they talk to themselves and then they kind of split off and then they talk to the crew and then everything just suddenly happens. Uh, but their vision is very specific on what they want. So it's like everybody knows exactly what, what they're looking for. And it's, it's actually really cool to see both of the directing styles. But Sean Levy, I, I've seen so many of his movies that actually see him and then have him speak to me was actually really cool. So. <laughs> and to have him say, hey, I hear you're famous. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention this, but we kind of already talked about it, that um, a friend of ours, Amy Forsyth, who is the makeup artist on Stranger Things, she's the one mm-hmm. that I actually saw post a picture with you like, look who I met from Queer Eye. And I was like, you're Amy Forsyth. You're geeking out over like an actor. That's amazing. I know. She promised me she would send me that photo, and she never did. Uh, <laughs> well, it's out there. I've seen uh, it. So she definitely posted it. All right. All right. I'll go and look. I'll go and look for it. I know that one thing fans are always interested in knowing, are there any cool cast stories or just anything that happened to you once that you think that people would want to know about? I know in season two, when working with the kids in the arcade scene, I was really amazed at how friendly they were. Uh, in between scenes, they would they were playing the games. Uh, they were playing air hockey with the other background kids. Gaten came over to me and he was pretending to be me at the hot dog stand, and <laughs> then he shook my hand and he was like, "Hey, man!" And it, was, it was so much fun. And they, I don't know, I, I, I sometimes when you work with some actors that I've worked in the past, that they are very, I don't want to say uppity, but they're very to themselves. They only talk to crew and everything. So to have them interact. The kids interact with the, the background and, and just have fun. It, it was really great to see. I don't know, it almost changed my perspective on the show because I loved watching them just interact as actual people. It, it was so much fun. Did you have any kind of sense of nostalgia? You're not old, but you're old enough that you might have been a kid maybe around the 80s or the 90s. Did being in that Palace Arcade give you any, like, memories of your youth? Because usually their set design is so, like, on point. Yes. Uh, actually, I'm a little older than you probably think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jonathan but made yes, you actually, look great. Yes, I know. But yes, I actually grew up with uh, the arcades and the, the big machines and Pac-Man. Uh, so a lot of the video games they had in there were things I played as a kid. So it, it was, I don't know, the, the sounds and everything in there. It really did bring back some memories. Yeah. So we have a part where we like to let fans ask you questions. Here's a couple that I think were pretty good. Dorky Malevin, she says, I watched his episode on Queer Eye, and it was so cool to see him on Stranger Things. I'm wondering if he knew or knows the fate of his character. I was wondering, does he become one of the flayed? I'm hoping that he wasn't one of the flayed. I'm hoping he wasn't one of the flayed either. But, you know, it's not looking good for him because we've got two of the Hawkins Post guys uh, and Jake Busey and Michael Park. They didn't They didn't fare so well, so fingers crossed for you. <laughs> if I did survive, I'm hoping I'd get a promotion. <laughs> Stranger Confident Wheeler 98 says, What was it like working on the show from being in the second season set in 1984 and then again the third year later on? 
to be honest, there wasn't that much of a difference. Obviously, the, the, everybody grew up, but the first season, or the second season, I mean, uh, I actually worked with all the kids, and then the third season, it was working with all the teens and the adults. So there really wasn't much of a change as, to me as far as costumes and everything, because it was only a couple of years, and the and other than the fact that I had to wear really short shorts in that fair scene, uh, the costumes really <laughs> didn't change that much. You mentioned earlier that you got to be in the background of the movie theater scene, and you guys were watching Back to mm-hmm. the Future over and over again. How did that scene, how was it shot? So what they do is they have the Back to the Future playing. They have about a two-minute clip that plays on a loop just over and over again. And they have the the, the crew was up front, and they had everybody set the way they wanted it. Uh, and then the actors came in, and they kind of did the rehearsal. And then we just had to sit and pretend that we were watching this film and just just, just smile at the right pro- point. Because we're actually watching the film, so everybody's reacting to the same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, But it, we watched that scene so many times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it was one of my favorite films, and now it's probably, I'm getting kind of tired. Of it. Uh, and then when they did another, the uh, second half of the scene where Dustin comes back in to get batteries, uh, they actually had a second clip that played for about 30 seconds over and over again. So other than you have to pretend to be quiet, if you're eating, then you have to, you know, you're pantomiming, uh, and you just sit there and just enjoy the, the clip because you're not paying attention to the actors because obviously that takes everybody out of the moment. So you just sit there and just stare at the screen. How long did that scene take to film? It felt like it was a few hours, but between the getting fitted and the, getting the costumes and makeup and everything, it was probably a good eight-hour day, but it was probably only two hours of actual filming. I know that we have a lot of fans that are between ages. So we have fans as young as, like, six, and we have fans as old as, I think we got an email from a 71-year-old once that was like, I'm a grandma and I love your show. You're a background actor who's done a lot of work on the show. What is the ratio to adults and children on the show as far as who you see get cast as extras? There's so many, uh, every age range, and it really depends on the scene. In the snowball, it was a good 100-something kids, and then so there's just kids everywhere. I and mean, then you got the adults there that are taking care of them, and they're just, everybody's playing on their phones and just, you know, trying to have a great time. Uh, and then you have scenes like the Star Cart, Mall, where you have a few kids, but it's mostly adults. The kids' acting rules are a little different. They can only act or work for certain hours. So you have to kind of film those scenes really quickly. So they try to be very, very organized in those scenes because you have to be very strict on when you can start and stop with uh, with the kids. So were you at the snowball dance or were you just there because Shannon's kids were on set and you were the adult and you kind of were viewing what was happening? Yeah, I was just on set because they were on set. They try not to have, from, from my experience the adults acting with the kids because they need somebody to supervise them in case the adults are in the the scene also yeah so the guardians are just separate but it was actually really cool and one thing one of the funny stories of shannon's son who is in the scene he's shown seven times (laughs) and one thing i told him is number one rule of acting is never look at the camera ever don't look at the camera. But if you look at him all seven times that you see him, he's looking at the camera. <laughs> every single, every one of them. I think it's just, you know, you get there and you get nervous and you're like, I'm not, I don't know where my eye line is. Where should I be looking? Uh, and then you see yeah. it and you're like, well, not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the wrong place to look. And actually my first couple times doing background, I did the same thing. Uh, I, I, I guess it's something that's just natural that you see the camera and you just want to know where it is and where it's looking. And so you're just constantly looking at it to see what it's doing, you know, and it's an exciting thing to be on set. But once you're on set for a while and you kind of get used to it, you, you know that you're supposed to be blending in. You're not supposed to stand out. 
uh, you kind of learn to not necessarily avoid the camera, but try to avoid sudden movements or staring right down the, the barrel because that really takes the, the viewer out of the moment. What do you think you get recognized for more, Stranger Things or probably Queer Eye? Oh, definitely Queer Eye. Every time we take a trip somewhere, it's it's constant recognition. And I have uh, glasses. That I don't know if I, you see them in the show, but... When I wear my glasses, nobody recognizes me. It's, it's like Clark Kent. But if I take my glasses off and I'm walking around wearing my contacts, it's like, oh, hey, you were in Queer Eye, or do I know you from somewhere? And uh, it's like I constantly – we went to Washington, D.C., and we were crossing the street, and somebody stopped us in the middle of the street in Washington, D.C. to take a selfie with us. And we went to museums, and everywhere we go, it's just people are stopping us. And so I, I've learned to wear my glasses a lot on trips. That's cool, though, because it's like your episode had an effect on people. I think they were, like, really rooting for you and Shannon. I know that you got proposed to Shannon on the show, but did the wedding ever happen? Yes. We actually planned the wedding for the one-year anniversary after the actual proposal. So we we planned it, and we knew we were going to have it down in Florida. And we got to about a month to the actual wedding, and then Queer Eye announced that the day before our wedding is the day they were releasing our episode. Oh, really? Uh, Yes. So we, we promised we weren't going to watch it. So it was actually two days. It was on the air for two days before we actually saw the episode. Because we went and we had our wedding and, and we didn't see the episode. We didn't want to be distracted. So we, we had to wait. But when we did see it, it was actually really cool. And, and then to see, I don't know how I got it. Because there's so many fans. When it first came out, they would send me clips of the show with voiceovers in their language. And it was really weird seeing people speaking French and Portuguese and Spanish. It just, you know, I'm just William. <laughs> and there's people whose job it is, is to duplicate everything I said the way I said it in a different language. And it was just weird. That, that was, again, the use of the word surreal. I, I, I never imagined in my life, even, you know, did you imagine being famous or something, but you never imagined that there was going to have to be crews of people duplicating everything you say in a different language. It was just surreal. Yeah, I was wondering because you've done a little background work and you had done a little bit before that show aired. So you, you're used to seeing like yourself on camera kind of in the background mm -hmm. or very quickly. But in that show, you were featured. I mean, you were on the camera probably 90% of the time. Was it yeah. interesting to just see you and Shannon uh, on camera and just be like, wow, that's it seems like that would be a surreal experience as well. It actually was. I actually look a little bigger than I thought I look. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually realized this in the, the theater scene in, in Stranger Things, when the, the it's looking out over the crowd and the kids are coming in, you can see me, and I'm just, like, towering over everybody. And I never really realized how big of a person I am. Shannon's always told me I'm, I'm imposing to people that they're almost afraid of me. And I just never thought about it. I just thought maybe I just have, you know, resting bee face or something. But it's actually just, I'm just such a big, imposing person, I guess. What's one of the best compliments you've received on being on either of the shows? Actually, there's a, something that just happened about a week ago. Uh, Us Weekly retweeted a video that somebody posted about her father watching my episode. And he was, he's never watched a show, wasn't going to watch it. And she got him to watch it. And you can see him smiling and laughing and then, crying at the end and it was just 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 to see people's reactions to the episode is the biggest compliment that that i could possibly receive and and you know I, it wasn't scripted everything that you see is real but to have somebody react the way they do to something i said it, it it's powerful and it's something i i've never been able to do because i don't get very many speaking roles so it's i've never never seen the way i affect other people and this one 
being able to see people cry or laugh or just just to see their amazement when they see me in person that or what I did Uber driving for a little while and then you know you, they get out of the vehicle and they suddenly realize it was me that was driving them and then, then they, they start struck crying it's just it's, it's weird seeing people have so many emotions over something I did yeah I've always wanted to have Jonathan Van Ness give me a makeover, so <laughs> that's like the dream. I'm like, tell me what to do with my hair. So I think that a lot of your personality really came out in those scenes with Jonathan. I know you were saying that he was one of the people that you talked to the most, but there's a scene when he's like, I can't remember. I think he's like cutting your hair or maybe he's trimming your beard, but you guys start making voices together. And I was yes. like, oh, yeah, he's super confident now. Yeah, he called it his Blanche voice. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And we, we did it so many times, and we would just randomly do it. And there's one point we did it, and he had to be a, a – bottle of water and I drank the water and I was like ooh this water is so good I can't do the voice anymore <laughs> and you could just hear the crew in another room just start laughing and we they, I don't think they could use that take but it was it was so funny and it just he is so much fun I really wish I could hang out with him a lot more than we, we had an opportunity to. Oh, yeah. He seems awesome. You're oh, lucky. Yeah, I was. feel like you're yeah. lucky to have gotten that experience. Uh, he, they were filmed in Atlanta, which is where we live, mm-hmm. and we we saw the, the loft, like the Fab Five loft. If you live in Atlanta, yep. it's a very recognizable area. But mm-hmm. I never ran into them or anything, and I was just, ugh, I always wanted to. Yeah. We were actually the first episode to film in the loft. I was actually supposed to be part of season one, uh, and they, I, they got moved around, and I ended up in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was the first person to film in the loft and they didn't have running water in there yet so when he was doing my hair and washing my hair we actually had to go out onto the patio and he had to get a garden hose and rinse my hair off (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i was laying down on the ground and he was just spraying my hair uh to to rinse it out no that should have been an episode i wish it was now i'm like maybe i'm rethinking my jonathan van ness makeovers actually we're gonna need you to sit down we're gonna hose you we're gonna hose (laughs) you down yeah So, you know, right now we've got this crazy pandemic going on, and a lot of us are just trapped in the house. We're trying to do our part and stay home. Do you have any music or films or TV that you're really enjoying right now that you would recommend to the fans? Well, right now, obviously, The Mandalorian. uh, That's something everybody should be watching. Of course. Uh, We've started our Christmas movie binging uh, just a few weeks ago. We, we start early. Let's see. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Which is the one you, you like to watch the best? I kind of lean towards A Christmas Story because yeah. I actually did the stage play of it. I was the Santa Claus in the stage play. But Christmas Vacation, I, I believe it has to be my favorite Christmas movie. Everything about that film, I just love everything about that. It's yeah, so I love Chevy Chase trying to get all those lights going. I'm always like, let's recreate yeah. those lights. <laughs> it's funny. We just rented... Um, we were like, you know, we've seen all these Christmas movies, so we rented a Christmas story too, and we we're like, it's not mm-hmm. going to be as good as the first one, but let's just watch it, and it was not good. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm not even going to attempt to watch that one because I don't want to ruin the first one. Do you have any upcoming projects or anything that you'd like fans to keep a lookout for that you can talk about? Not acting wise, but I've actually been writing some screenplays. I'm actually in the process of selling one right now. Oh, cool. Uh, it's one called Big Blue. It's a sci-fi adventure. It's about an insurance agent who steals $700 million from his company, and then his boss is trying to chase him down. 
Well, congratulations. That's amazing that you're selling it. Thank you. If people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? I'm pretty much active on everything, but Instagram is the place to go if you really want to see all the good stuff, and it's at William Mankin. Well, William, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that you and Shannon are going strong, and, you know, now I've got to go rewatch Stranger Things Season 3 so I can see you, like, popping up all in the background. Yeah, you got to look for me 12 times, yes. You know, what's funny is I was just started watching Stargirl, and I noticed you in the background as a mover, but you didn't have your mustache, and so I wasn't sure. Oh, yes. That's another one. That's actually the very last acting I did was in Stargirl, uh, and they recognized me, and they kept talking about me, and it's like, it was, it was such a, again, a distraction because the Breck Basinger uh, and Amy Smarthouse were both talking about me, and it's like, oh, it's so cool that he's here, and it's like, oh, that guy from Queer Eye's here, it's William, and and it was, it's you know, so... That was one of the ones that kind of led me to, I'm too much of a distraction right now, so wait a few years, let it calm down, and, and go back to it. See, I think that's awesome because, you know, when you're a background actor, when you're on set, even if you've done it a lot, sometimes your nerves hit you. You're like, oh, I, I want to make sure I do a good job, like you were saying in front of Jake Busey and Natalia. I just want to mm-hmm. make sure I'm not pulling the attention away from them or anything, but it's kind of nice when you go on there and you know that those people are like, oh, my God, it's William from Queer Eye, because you know, know. you can do no wrong in their eyes. I know. It's just my 15 minutes of fame, but it's actually still kind of cool that, you know, that the famous people, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was uh, one of the people from Friends or something was on an airplane watching my episode. This was like back in the early days. And it's weird. It's just I never again. It's just it's weird to imagine people, famous people, starstruck over me. Uh, I think that's super cool. I'll tell yeah, you a quick story. When we okay. met Carrie Ells, uh, my daughter, she was she's a mascot of our show, so everybody knows her. Her name's Kilby. She mm-hmm. was five when she filmed her scene, and she met Carrie um, at a con. He was just walking by, and she was so nervous. And he was like, I know you. And he said, you're a star. And he, like, gave her a piece of paper, and he signed, Kilby, you're a star. And so, <laughs> you know, now when we do stuff, she'll be like, Mommy, I'm a star. <laughs> yeah. So, William, I think that you're a star. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It was super, super fun to talk to you. I look forward to hearing more about you and Shannon in the future. And fingers crossed that you're in season four and that you're not dead. Hopefully you weren't one of the flayed. I hope not. We'll see. Stay strange, everybody. Take care. Uh, Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Upside Down Podcast hosted by Sisters Ash and Tori. For more information, visit our website at theupsidedownpod.com. You can also contact us at theupsidedownpod at gmail.com as well as follow us on our Facebook and Instagram under the Upside Down Podcast. Episodes are released every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe. If you love the podcast, be sure to review us on whatever you listen to us on. Thanks again. Stay strange.